On any given Sunday, people here for the service may be struggling with many difficult issues, but this week has been especially difficult, I think, for many of us here this morning. There was the tragic shootings at Navy Yard, which touched all of us. But there were other less painful, less public issues that may have kept some of us awake nights, worrying during the days. Your neighbor in the pew may be wondering how to find the money to stave off foreclosure. The couple sitting in the last row, and I said this, I, I wrote this before I knew who was going to be sitting in the last, last row, may be considering divorce. That young man in front of you may be considering suicide. We often do not know what lies behind the faces of those we chat with in coffee hour. Where do we as Unitarian Universalists find hope in times like these? John and I both practice intentionally stepping back several times a day and trying to remember all the things that we are thankful for. We say grace at mealtimes. Say a sign language, Grace. Thank you. At night, we will often reflect back over our days to lift up what has inspired us and moved us during the day. And it's amazing how often there has been something that has inspired us or moved us, something in the paper, something someone said. But it's easy to be thankful for the many gifts in our lives during the good times. Even with practice, we can be thankful in the ordinary times of challenge that all of us face from time to time. But the difficult question, and it's one I struggle with, is whether we can find something to sustain us and renew us in the hardest of times. Our faith encourages us to find wisdom in the teachings of the world's religions that inspire us in our spiritual lives. One of the great teachers in the Buddhist tradition that has inspired me is the Buddhist monk and poet Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh has lived through war, exile, and the loss of beloved friends, and found spiritual resources that have comforted and inspired him through all of it. So I want to share with you some of his story. He was born in 1926 in French-occupied Vietnam. Some of us here are just a few of us here are old enough to remember those, those days in our country. War, brutality, and corruption battered his country as he grew up, as stronger countries jockeyed for power and wealth. Most of us have never seen our own country occupied by another country or lived in a country ravaged by war. But I want you to imagine for a moment what it would feel like if we were an occupied country if there were soldiers in the street, if there were soldiers, and not our own soldiers, not our own soldiers, who came to our place of business, uh, if our neighbors were suddenly hauled out of their rooms and their homes in the, in the middle of the night, that was what Thich Nhat Hanh's world was like growing up. He entered a Buddhist monastery at the age of 16. He became nationally known as a poet and a writer, and he also emerged as a leader. He was called on Buddhists to unite. You know, even, even like all the rest of us, Buddhists were split into factions. And he invited them, called them to unite as one, and to engage the world 
practicing their values of compassion and non-discrimination to those who were suffering from the corruption and war all around them. Vietnam War was beginning to escalate. The government and other Viet Buddhists increasingly opposed Tay's writings. In 1960, at the urging of his friends, Tay accepted a fellowship to study comparative religion in Princeton. And so he was safe. But he couldn't stay away while his friends and fellow Buddhists were facing oppression. Conditions were so bad at home. And again, a few of you will remember this, because it, it was on the front pages, that a prominent Buddhist monk burnt himself to death in protest. Tay founded a school to practice what he called engaged Buddhism, to send young people out to help repair the war damage. They repaired one village. It was destroyed again. They repaired it again. It was destroyed again. And still they repaired it a third time. Yet Tay refused to take sides. He focused instead on the need for reconciliation. Not surprisingly, both sides considered that he was the enemy. Many of his students and colleagues were killed. Someone tried and failed to kill Tay. And again, I ask you to imagine what it would be like if we lived under circumstances like that, where we, our very lives were threatened, the lives of people that we loved were taken. In 1966, he returned to the U.S. for what he intended to be just a short trip to publicize what the war was doing to his country and to plead for peace, to plead for the U.S. government not to be part of the problem. The Vietnamese government seized this, seized this opportunity to exile him and wouldn't let him come back. From this time on, he became a refugee, homesick for his friends in his home, missing even the birds and the trees he had grown up with. The music was different. Everything, all the little cultural things that we don't, we don't think of were different. He suffered, knowing of the dangers that were being faced by his students and his colleagues. One of his students emulated himself. An American military truck killed the head of his skill, his school, someone who'd been closer to him than a brother. Tay closed himself into his room for two months after hearing the news. Mindfulness does not insulate even the wisest and the strongest and the most spiritual from feeling pain. I think it's wrong to, to think that somehow, you know, even if you're Thich Nhat Hanh, that you don't feel pain. Even after the end of the war, the new government refused to let him come back in. He was not allowed to return to Vietnam until 2005, when he was 79 years old. I can only imagine the loneliness and the despair that I would have felt in that situation. Several years ago, I joined a group of students studying Thich Nhat Hanh's writing in an online course. The leaders asked us to choose one of his breathing exercises to practice each day. My favorite is the one from which the title of this sermon is chosen, and this is what we meditated on. Breathing in, I dwell deeply in the present moment. Breathing out, I know this is a wonderful moment. Present moment, wonderful moment.
I'll say that again. Breathing in, I dwell deeply in the present moment. Breathing out, I know that this is a wonderful moment. Present moment, wonderful moment. I love this exercise. One of my friends tries to use it every time she stopped at a red light. Trying to find the wonder in each moment, the wonderfulness of each moment, having faith that it exists, if only we can learn to be more fully present in each breath, each breath we take is a core premise of Buddhism. I love Thich Nhat Hanh's words, yet I still wonder if they are literally, if they can literally always be true for someone who takes this practice seriously. What about those two months in his room when he mourned the death of his friend? Could I say this meditation and mean it if my best friend had just been killed? If people were trying to kill me? If my government refused to let me return to my own country for most of my life so I couldn't continue the work that had been my life so I couldn't see friends and family? I believe that with practice I can learn to recognize that this present moment is a wonderful moment even when the computer has lost my sermon at 7 o'clock Sunday morning. (laughs) Present moment. Almost wonderful moment. Even when there is some conflict that won't let me sleep. Even when I have heard bad news from my doctor. But can I, can we, really do it in the really hard times. The, what was it, John? The terrible, horrible, horrible, no good, good, very bad bad day. Can we really be mindful? Can we really be thankful when we are faced not with, with the merely inconvenient, the trivial, but with tragedy? When we are sitting not in a traffic jam, but in the hospital of a beloved child, or trying to find safety in the midst of a Category 3 hurricane, or, or waiting at home to hear word of a loved one under siege by someone with an assault weapon. I can tell you, and I think this is true for me, that my religious and spiritual foundation has served me well during my difficult days and my troubled nights. It hasn't kept me from having difficult days and troubled nights, but it has helped me know that I can get through them. It has helped me believe that my life has meaning. But I'm not sure that I could always have said, present moment, wonderful moment. And some of you in this room, I know, have faced far worse than I have. Yet it gives me hope that Thich Nhat who has faced far worse than I have, has somehow found peace, found a grounding, found something larger than the part of the present moment that is the terrible, awful, horrible, no good day. As I understand what he's saying, he is not promising us freedom from fear and pain, 
but that we can feel our pain as part of a larger, deeper reality that still contains love and joy and beauty. Someone we love dies. But the death is part of the love that has and even now continues to enrich our lives. My uncle's wife of 60-odd years died a year and a half ago. And I thought to myself, that must be like tearing a chunk, tearing a chunk, having been married to someone. And, and his was a good marriage out, out, of, out of you. And yet, and yet, would you choose not to have that pain and not have that person in your life? I mean, even now, he is a changed person because of those 63 years. And he has found ways to find love and joy and beauty as he's developed his bucket list of all the national parks that he wants to see at, what is he, 80, 87 years old. And there's something like 200 of them. So he's going to be active and busy. We have lost our job, but perhaps we still have our health and our friends. We have lost our savings, but we are surrounded by beauty. Thich Nhat Hanh assures us that the larger reality that we are a part of, even in the worst of our days, is magnificent, full of miracles, full of love, full of possibility. Thich Nhat Hanh has written, the miracle is not to walk on water. The miracle is to walk on the green earth in the present moment to appreciate the peace and the beauty that are available right now. Thich Nhat Hanh writes that lotus flowers are born in the mud, not in pristine marble. Tay does not seek a heaven free from all suffering, for he says that from our suffering, understanding and compassion are born. Mindfulness is not a mindless freedom from suffering brought magically by the sight of the lotus flower. Mindfulness is seeing deeply what is in front of you, what is all around you with the eyes of compassion and wonder. In time, after he left Vietnam, Tay grew to see the beautiful, the beauty and the miracle present in all birds, in all trees, in all human beings not just those from his home. He came to find home wherever he was. He was no longer in exile because his understanding of home had expanded. Tay also learned something that I find profoundly hopeful. He discovered that once we have experienced something deeply, it, can, it is always with us if we can be mindful enough to be aware of it. No grapefruit grow in New York City, but Tay would be in the library, and he could bring back the smell of grapefruit. So it was right there, right there in the heart of New York City, in a library. Before he was able to return to Vietnam, people asked if he regretted not being able to return. He replied, that he was in Vietnam now. Think about that for a moment. Nothing 
nothing. No one we have ever loved, lost, not mother, not father, not lover, not unborn child is ever lost to us. If we learn to live mindfully, deeply present to all we hold dear, their voices, their touch, will be with us always. They are part of our world forever, there to comfort us, there to make us laugh, there to push us in the mud, there to urge us onward. They're not through our hanging on to the past, but by their becoming a living part of our existence, of our present. Present moment. Wonderful moment. This. This is the moment we have. This very moment as we sit here in this holy place, surrounded by beauty, surrounded by love, surrounded by hopes and dreams, and yes, surrounded by sorrow and regret. Here we sit, miracle of miracles, thinking, creating, growing, striving, something exquisite, something astounding, coming up out of the mud, alive, breathing, present moment, wonderful moment, present moment, wonderful moment.